0: Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. I'm Kat O'Dell, and my latest cookbook is Unicorn Food.
1: Kat O'Dell, food journalist, former Eater LA editor, and the original pioneer of Unicorn Food. I'm so happy to chat with you again on my podcast and catch up.
0: How can Yes, we... definitely. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yay! How can we
0: unicorn our food? <laughs> oh my goodness, there's so many ways. Um, what this book is largely inspired by is the natural colors that occur in foods from purple sweet potato to purple cabbage to beets to um, saffron and turmeric. There's so many ways to naturally add color to your food. And the great part about that is foods that are naturally hued um, are higher in antioxidants and antithiacins. So they're actually more helpful. What are antithiacins? So yeah, it's a, it's a form of antioxidant, okay. um, commonly found in purple foods. So you'll find that in purple cabbage and purple broccoli, purple sweet potatoes, uh, blueberries, ingredients like that. So you
1: begin every morning with a drink. Talk to me about the inspiration behind this book.
0: Sure. So I lived in Los Angeles for many years, and then I relocated back to New York City, which is where I'm from originally. And I found when I moved back to New York, which was in 2014, um, the city was really behind in terms of health-conscious Eating. And so the foods that I was accustomed to finding readily in Los Angeles, I couldn't find in New York. So I started just making all of these clean foods for myself. And it really started off with nut milks. And I don't have any dietary restrictions, luckily, but I personally love almond milk. I've always loved almond milk. It tastes like, you know, a vanilla milkshake if you do it properly. And so I started off just making these different types of milks at home. So I would make some with cashews and some with almonds and um, hazelnuts. And, and then I would add different ingredients. So I added, um, first I added spirulina to almond milk. Then I played around with Blue Magic, which is a blue algae. It's a derivative of spirulina, um, adding ingredients like rose and turmeric and I just, I created this like rainbow of milks and I remember looking down at this, like I'd created like four or five milks one day and I was like, what should I, I feel like this needs a name, what should I call it? And it reminded me of the mane of a unicorn. So I thought, oh, unicorn milk. Um, And the milks are really, really tasty. And uh, so, you know, they're sort of magically delicious. So I thought it was a very fitting name. And then unicorn milk uh, turned into unicorn food because I started making foods that were based around these milks. And that's kind of the providence of the book.
1: P.S. I had no idea that raw almonds were banned, um, in 2007.
0: Yeah, that's, I, yeah, you know, I think unless you're really paying attention, you wouldn't really know. And it's not that easy to find almonds that haven't been treated in some way. And when you do find them, they're pretty expensive, which is frustrating.
1: How did you develop the vibrant colors? Like let's say pink.
0: Um, I was thinking about ingredients I really loved. And so, I love cardamom as a flavor in general. And I love rose. And of course it's a really classic in Indian cuisine and Indian desserts. And I wanted to create like a pinkish milk. And so I have different. I've learned that different flower petals have different, like not all rose petals have the same rose flavor. And um, so anyway, I started playing around with rose as a flavor plus cardamom. And I was able to source some really high quality rose petals, which gave the milk this really pretty pink hue. And I preferred it to adding um, like a rose extract, So, which you can still do. but But when you add the petals, it adds a really pretty pink color, which just makes it more fun to drink. <laughs> <laughs> do you look at emotion as an ingredient? Definitely. I mean, for me, cooking, the whole reason I got into food and cooking is because of my family and mainly my grandmother, um, when I was really young, uh, she, so my grandmother, my mom is from the Czech Republic and my grandmother still lives in Prague. She actually turned a hundred this year, which is crazy. Um, and so she used to come to New York and take care of me when I was really young and she's an amazing cook. And we just used to cook all day together when I was little. And so food is very emotional for me and it reminds me of my childhood. So, um, I have a lot of inspiration from her and everything I do. And then, uh, certain types of, you know, not necessarily entirely unicorn, but a lot of recipes I make are from when I was really young, but those aren't all, those are more like normal recipes, not really unicorn recipes. But, it, but definitely, you know, for me, cooking is really tied to family and, and emotion. Describe Chicha morada from Peru. So yeah, it's this um, purple Peruvian corn Um and, a, a, this really, I was actually ironically just in Peru, um, and was able to try it again, but it's basically boiled corn and all these other like fruits and spices are added and you get this like really, um, very fruity and spicy drink. And it has this awesome, like purplish bluish color to it. <laughs> and, um, when I was in college, I used to drink a lot of alcohol and the, my savior was blue Gatorade. I had this room in my freshman year and she would drink the orange Gatorade and I would drink the blue Gatorade. And it was like, I didn't like any other flavor except for that. It had to be like the, the light color blue or like different colored blues. <laughs> anyway. Um, it's, you know, it's, it was like my, I've always been into healthy eating to a certain extent, but that was like when I, when you're hungover and you feel like death, you'll kind of do anything to feel better. And blue Gatorade was always the thing that would help me recover. And so I was thinking about how to make something, a drink that was really good for you and could sort of satiate or or sort of like cure a hangover remedy to a certain extent. And of course, coconut water is really high in um, potassium. It has a lot of uh, electrolytes and um, other sort of ingredients your body needs when you're really depleted of, when you're really hungover. Um, And so I came up, somehow I don't remember, it it just occurred to me that maybe, you know, using uh, this Peruvian drink as inspiration to recreate a healthier version of Gatorade could work. And it, you know, the flavors, the, the blue Gatorade flavor is almost like a sort of tropical punch flavor, which is also the flavor you get with um, this Peruvian drink. And so it actually works really well together. And it is time consuming to make, but it's awesome. It's delicious and um, really, really thirst quenching at the same time. So do you just make a big batch of it and just have it in your fridge? Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yep. So these recipes in the cookbook are almost vegan. What does that mean?
0: So, I hate the word vegan because, to me, veganism references, like, the 60s and 70s, uh, and that's when people were eating a lot of really processed foods that were devoid of animal products, like seitan and tofu, and um, I don't really eat those foods, and I'm more of a, a plant-based eater, so I, technically, like, I pretty much, you know, for, for right now, for me, for my job, I eat everything, but at home, I'm a very, very healthy, very clean eater, so... And I mostly just eat fresh, wholesome ingredients, fruits and vegetables. So for me, there's a big difference between technically, you know, you can still call this book vegan, but I, but in my opinion, veganism encompasses a term which references another genre of food, which I don't include in this book very intentionally, because it doesn't have any of those processed ingredients, and it's really just about clean, wholesome healthful ingredients straight from the earth, you know, that haven't been treated or processed in any way. So that's the the way that I differentiate the two in my head. I cracked up when I read the little box
1: that said, you'll notice the term superfoods doesn't exist in this book. Yes. That made me so happy. I hate that term.
0: Because, you know, everyone calls everything a superfood these days. It doesn't have, it has no meaning anymore. So I just, rather than, you know, like, call everything a superfood or this is it. just describe why it's good for you. Instead, you don't need to call it a (laughs) superfood, right? Exactly.
1: You incorporate bee pollen in a lot of these recipes. How
0: is bee pollen different from honey? Um, I love bee pollen. For myself personally, I feel like it's a really great energy booster Um, more so than honey. Honey, I really use as a sweetener, um, And I talk a lot about sweeteners in the book. I've always had a sweet tooth my whole life. And so a large part of the recipes in this book were how can I create sort of desserty food items that are also good for you in some way. And so um, sweeteners are, you know, at the end of the day, and I wrote this in the book, all sugar is sugar, but – if you can incorporate, you know, a cleaner sugar with additional enzymes and nutrients, that's the way to do it. And also the glycemic index is important, how it affects your blood sugar. But bee pollen um is really, really nutrient rich and I, I love to take it before working out. Um, I feel like it gives me a lot of extra energy and there's a, a lot of easy ways to incorporate bee pollen into your diet besides, you know, you can make a drink with it or you can put it on yogurt, but, or, you know, coconut yogurt, but um, I like to make little kind of like protein balls and take almond butter and kind of mix it all up and sometimes add dehydrated fruit or whatever I have uh, lying around at home. And it's a great, great source of energy. What's the cleanest sugar that you use? So my personal favorite, which is a little bit expensive and hard to find. It's something called Yacoon syrup. So Yacoon comes from a South American root and it's extremely low on the glycemic index. So Stevia, which I don't like is a zero um, glycemic index tax. And let's say honey and maple syrup are maybe in the 30s, 30s, 40s. um, Yacoon is a one. So it's really, really, really low. And what's also awesome about Yacoon syrup is it's a prebiotic fiber, which means it feeds the bacteria in your gut. And it's you know, it serves as food for them. You've probably heard about prebiotics prebiotic versus probiotics. And then also the comp, the structure of Yakun syrup is so complex that our bodies can't fully digest it, which means it passes through. So let's say honey has maybe 30 calories for a teaspoon, uh, tea and then this would have like 10 calories. So it's much lower in calories as well. You've
1: built your pantry at home around ingredients like medicinal mushrooms or protein-rich seeds, but the great thing is you don't necessarily need all of these wacky ingredients to make the recipes in yeah. the book. Talk a bit about that.
0: Sure. So the way that we structured these recipes was, you know, first and foremost, they're good for you regardless of whether you're able to sort of like spike them with these uh, extra healthy ingredients. So they're, they're going to be really healthy and fun and delicious, but if you want to seek these out then you'll get an extra dose of um nutritional benefit. But but the reason we did that is because they are, you know, pretty some some ingredients more than others are a bit esoteric and they can also be a bit pricey. For the most part you can find all of these on at least Amazon. Um but for, if somebody doesn't want to go out and spend 50 bucks on, you know, like a jar of chaga, then they can still make whatever the, this other recipe without, you know, adding it because more than anything else a lot of these ingredients, like the medicinal mushrooms, are not really imparting a flavor. They're just more adding a nutritional component. Um, however, in the case of like matcha, that would, be adding, that would be adding a flavor. So the ones that are not necessarily adding a flavor and they're just trying to boot, they're just boosting the nutritional content of a recipe, um, we added in for certain recipes like a little spoon that shows you can spike, the, spike a certain recipe by adding these extra in- ingredients, but you can still make the recipe and have the same flavor without them.
1: Tell me about your homemade cinnamon toast crunch.
0: I always loved cereal, and I ate a lot of it as a kid growing up. Um, And it's not, you know, cereal is, there's so many foods that are just loaded with sugar that you don't really realize. They don't always necessarily taste incredibly sweet. Some do, some don't. And sugar is definitely one of those. It's also, you know, really high in carbohydrates. And so anyway, I was trying to think of a way that you could recreate a, you know, a familiar classic cereal but in a way that's better for you and that was sort of the the origin of the recipe so um this is not coming out of a box from the store but you're actually making it yourself and it's not that hard (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) thanks
1: Mike Bagal, former executive chef at Alinea, developer of floating food and the famous balloon course is your boyfriend. I've heard him say that he manipulates food because he understands what it's capable of. Do you find that you share that philosophy with him in terms of unicorn food?
0: Um, You know, Mike is a very um, scientific chef and he really understands ingredients. Um, I think the way that I cook with unicorn food is much much simpler <laughs> um and I think you know it depends how you define like the food that i that I'm making is just a little bit more streamlined, and I think it's less manipulated because you're taking whole ingredients just sort of blending them you know, in a lot of chefs around the world you add chefs add other ingredients um to create textures or um, basically to, uh, to get an ingredient to function in a way that it normally wouldn't. And I feel like I follow, uh, it's my, 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 process with these recipes is just a little bit more straightforward, but, um, I mean, everything he does is so amazing and delicious and <laughs> really complex. This is a lot more simplified. Are you guys collaborating on projects these days? Um, you know, Mike has, he left Alinea and he's, uh, he started a consulting company, um, is doing projects around the world and, you know, I'm helping him here and there with various things and it's a lot of fun. So for me, I've always, I've been behind a computer for so many years writing about food and, um, you know, working with him on projects gives me the opportunity to be a little bit more hands-on, which I really, really enjoy a lot. And we work really well together and just get along really well together and have a lot of, um, Similar ideas when it comes to food, and also uh, quite a simi- similar palette. We like the same things, so yeah, we um, we work we do work together sometimes, and um, it's really fun. <laughs> now your Instagram, everyone should follow you
1: on Instagram. Is chock full of my travel and food goals.
0: Now you guys are living in Dubai, right? Yeah, we're um, we technically Dubai is our primary residence right now. We left the U.S. back in August, but we're sort of bouncing all around. So there's a project in Dubai, there's a project in Hong Kong, and then a few more things coming up. So we're like, we're kind of homeless. We're free basing it, is what I say. We're just like all over the place.
1: <laughs> and you were just <laughs> at Noma. Tell me about the Noma game menu. Mm.
0: You know, I've been to Noma a number of times, and this, I think, was actually my favorite menu I've had so far. Um, You know, I like to look at Noma more than anything else as a culinary research facility that serves food, because it's so much more than a restaurant. And Renee is really pioneering technique and fermentation and plating, different ways of plating, um, obviously forged ingredients. And I, I found this 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 menu in particular, I can understand why people say it's challenging because the first course you get is a, a soup that has squirrel in it, right? When have you ever had squirrel? Toward the end of the meal, you're eating uh, duck brains out of the head of a duck and you're eating, you know, this sort of fried tube, this fried uh, duck wing of sorts. Um, but I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to food and dining. So it was fine, but I can understand for some other people that are, you know, a little bit more trepidatious about, about dining and certain ingredients that it could be a little bit more challenging, but it was, but it was delicious. I absolutely loved it. It was, it was really wonderful.
1: Was that a real beetle that you ate? I saw a huge Oh, so, oh, so,
0: so. It's not. It tastes kind of like... Um, it was made from more of like a fruit leather, but they, they, I thought when they dropped that course, I thought it was a real beetle. But when <laughs> you look closely, it's not. <laughs> okay. but, but you know what? I'm just, I can't even imagine how long it took for them to prepare that course. I mean, it looked like a real beetle. Oh, totally. It looked like a real beetle. I was really impressed with that. What was your favorite course? So there's a course where... There are a lot of really good courses. Um, I they did it they made this really beautiful feather that was out of truffle that was um really, really nice. Honestly, like the brain course was actually really delicious. Oh uh, the so one of the first sort of sequences was a reindeer sequence and there were they had three or four different preparations of reindeer meat. Um, that was really delicious. I like that a lot.
1: Now to my segment called my last meal. If you had to place an order for your last supper, what would it be?
0: It would be my grandmother's chicken soup. It's, um, the most delicious chicken soup I've ever had in my life. And it's something that as a kid, I ate almost every day, uh, She's an amazing cook, and she would always say to me growing up, don't you want something else? Don't you don't you want, can I at least make you a different type of soup? And every day for years, she would make me just a very simple chicken soup. Sometimes it would have, like, wild mushrooms that she would bring from the Czech Republic. There's, you know, slight tweaks, but I wanted chicken soup every single day, and it's still my favorite, favorite dish ever.
1: Where can we find you on the web and social media?
0: So I am at Kat, K-A-T underscore Odell, O-D-E-L-L. And my byline is just Kat Odell. You're always so fun to
1: chat with. I cannot thank you enough for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Follow me on Instagram at Cookery by the Book. Twitter is I am Suzy Chase. And download your kitchen mixtapes, Music to Cook By, on Spotify at Cookery by the Book. And as always, subscribe in Apple Podcasts.